0: Yeah, I remember I had a boss who was like really into Hamilton at the time, and he was like, Oh, bro, yeah, you got to check this
1: out. And uh, I watched it, and I was just in there like, You've never listened to rap before, have you? Yeah. Full confession. I have never seen Hamilton, and I really have never listened to it either. It's good. Oh, I'm sure it is, but I like, you know, I want to see it live. I know that won't happen anytime soon, but right. also, and this is the thing with anything from culture, like, am I really missing out? There are a million good things. I feel that. That's like when everyone's like, dude, you got to watch this movie.
0: You got to watch this movie. And then you watch it and it's like, not that great.
1: Even if it's good, I'm like, oh yeah, this yeah. was
0: great. It's just a matter of like the, the cultural pressure to yeah. like something. And you're
1: just like, I don't care. It's the cultural pressure to watch and then to have a concise opinion, mm-hmm. which is is the perfect way to spin into talking about obi-wan kenobi and hey guys welcome to star wars therapy <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time to go to therapy
0: but i was going into tashi station to pick up some power converters obi-wan
1: Raider. a certain point of view Luke. you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view hey guys welcome to star wars therapy the episode or the show where we talk about star wars and life our co-host and beloved friend alex is sick i um, so pour one out for our dude hashtag uh,
0: pour one out for alex
1: say a little prayer
0: whether you are
1: a gonkist <laughs> or a uh is there another religion in Star Wars? I'm sure there's several that I'm not aware of.
0: We should do that episode sometime. We should do like a faith in Star Wars or like spirituality in Star Wars, that'd be fun. I'd have a lot to say. There's some very extended media from Star Wars I would like to actually show you at some yeah. point that I'm like, this is really cool. I do have something to say, Caleb. Yes. I do have a bit of a bit of an apology to make Ooh, to you. okay. All right, that's right, it's <laughs> happening. So uh, my wonderful girlfriend Sarah and I have done the impossible. We have been doing a chronological watch of Star Wars. We are at Return of the Jedi right now because she's seen the movies, but like, yeah, it, you see, you see, when you're a kid and you don't really know what names are who, and you hear Anakin and Luke, and you whatever. engage
1: with Star Wars like a normal person, yeah, unlike right. us,
0: <laughs> yeah. Whereas us were like, you don't know the clone who looks exactly like the other clones. Oh my
1: word! Me and my girlfriend. Side note, when we were watching an episode of Obi-Wan, you know, they autoplay Phantom Menace right after the episodes. Yeah. And it started, and we were just like, "Ah, we'll let it run for a little bit. Yeah, why not, We were
0: quoting, like, every line. Dude, right? Like, it's actually, like, a fairly okay movie, and that actually segues into what I wanted to say. During the second episode of Star Wars Therapy, I made a very bold claim that Attack of the Clones was the worst Star Wars movie besides Rise of Skywalker. I don't know what the worst one is, but it's not that one. Yes! I'm just... I'm just letting you know man that was more watchable <laughs> than like pretty much anything in Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, oh my god. Barring the whole, you know, obviously the Anakin, you know, very
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is bad. Uh,
0: like even then it was really fun to make fun of and like Sarah was just straight up like, "Yeah, um I like this one way more than that one." Of course, Revenge of
1: the Sith is great, but then like Do t- you find that when you return to something that you didn't like, you have a better chance of liking it? Yes. There's more of a chance for me
0: to not like something as much if i loved it the first time and then i wa- like a uh, great example actually i watched uh Spider-Man No Way Home last night i like Spider-Man No Way Home a lot it's got a lot of good in there but i definitely found myself going i mean how do you get the iron spider suit yeah wait I mean, didn't he have the other suit little things like that uh but definitely with the prequels i have found way more to love coming back to them and and also having a fuller picture of star wars as a whole you know you get things I've, I've said this in multiple episodes but it's like star wars is literally always recontextualizing itself and evolving into something that like looks like a clearer picture once you get everything uh it's, it functions a lot like actual history mm-hmm. in that way so like with the prequels i mean with the attack of the clones like look i'm not gonna lie like I liked all of the Obi-Wan stuff way more than when I was a kid. Yeah. I understood Anakin a little bit more. Like, I was like, oh, that they didn't want him to be a cool character. They wanted him to be this rageful little, like, brat almost Mm -hmm. that was just like, you all say I'm great, but I'm not, but I want to do this, but I'm conflicted. And then also I'm being repressed because of your weird religion that says I
1: can't have a girlfriend. Like, things like that, I definitely appreciated a lot more. That's something that I find, it doesn't always happen. And like you were saying, oftentimes the reverse happens. But going back to stuff and reevaluating it, I think is such an important part of the process of critically looking at stuff. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that with everything, but especially if you have like a real interest in things like Star Wars or comic books or whatever, it can be helpful. People hated the Dark Phoenix saga when that happened. Um, Oh, yeah. And like, I think it's just like when there's something extremely different, it takes a while to adjust.
0: And I think the prequels are in a weird spot because of that. Yeah. You know, you look at the first movie and it's almost like, I mean... Force Awakens kind of does this, too, where it's like, here's new, different Han Solo. Here's new, different Luke. Here's Obi-Wan, but different Obi-Wan. Like, you know, things like that. Or, like, here's comic side character. You know, like, I, I actually was watching an interview with George Lucas. He talked about... How the response that Jar Jar got was actually very similar to what C3PO and R2 D2 got, mm-hmm. like when they first came out. But I never thought of them in the same way. But now I'm like, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they're the characters that are there for the kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, he has always said this. He's like, even though people don't want to admit it, these
1: movies are made for children. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I agree with you completely. But at the same time, it's like they can still be good. I think that's the thing that a lot of people resist because they think it. They think it devalues. But I'll be honest. At this point, I think all the best stories in the world are made for kids. Everything that Hayao Miyazaki made. Like the fairy tales that mm-hmm. make up like the foundation of Western canon. These were all made for kids. When you say that, it's more or less not not so much that it's made for kids.
0: It's so much, it, the stories are easy to tell. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jack and the Beanstalk is an easy story to tell. Granted, he kills a giant. That's what happens. Not very kid-friendly. But it's magical to see, oh, he's just a normal boy like you who does these amazing things. And it's like, I think as long as stories are easy to tell, that's where the power kind of comes from. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars, that first Star Wars is a very easy story to tell. I mean, I loved doing our new hope commentary. Check out episode twelve, by the way. It, because like it just recontextualized that movie for me. I was like, wow, this really is just one movie. Mm -hmm. that just set
1: up a whole universe and was like, you can go forward if you want, but it's just just Star Wars. It's very easy to imagine a timeline where it didn't take off. Yeah, right. And it's just that one movie. And maybe people still love that one movie, but you never got Empire. And the thing is, Empire makes that movie
0: work Mm -hmm. a lot more because like, you know, I mean, we we talked about it too, but it's like, even now with Obi-Wan, it's like, Obi-Wan made me feel even better about A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. Like, whereas something like Rogue One, not to crap on Rogue One, but it's like, some parts of it you could definitely tell were executive moves that were like, remember, we've got to tie this in. Yeah. It's got to be part of things. You know, to the point where it literally leads directly into A New Hope, and you're like... As cool as that is to have a companion piece, I don't know if I want to pregame for A New Hope with this. I'd rather pregame by taking an evening and watching the entirety of Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd
1: rather be like, oh, cool. And then we just wait 10 years and there we are. I think it's one of those things where there's enough space in between those particular stories that you can still let your imagination engage with the in-between time. And I think that's something that's very important to Star Wars is that you always have that kind of liminal space between the episodes hmm. and then you had that with obi-wan you have it takes place what like nine years after revenge of the sith yeah 10 or... years
0: after revenge of the sith but it's like 10 years before yeah a new hope
1: perfect place to create a
0: bridge series yeah definitely i think you and i have a very similar feeling on it because of the discourse that's around it like yeah. and i don't
1: i don't want to turn this into
0: an episode of like me going like the fans are wrong but it's like me going like i genuinely don't understand the complaints people have about the show
1: okay i understand some of them some of them yeah maybe but not the ones that are gaining the, the space online, right? Like yeah. I've heard people complain that it's just the hero's journey again and that his relationship with Leia is very similar to some other archetypal relationships. I can understand that. But what I'm hearing from people is there was a bad chase scene and I don't like Reva because she's, a- I mean, because <laughs> she's, I don't like Reva.
0: I remember someone said something so crass and heinous as to be like, oh, Reva looks like Star Wars is being woke again. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, What does that even mean? It's not like solo, like where I'd hate to point out the obvious target for that but it's like the droid and solo look the problem with the droid and solo is that i feel like twitter got a robot and like is just spouting out every social justice thing you could think of not all of which are wrong but it's just very over the head with the commentary whereas in this it's like she's not standing on a pedestal talking about things that allude to the presidency or anything like that it's still very removed whenever i go to star wars i want to feel like i am in a galaxy far mm-hmm. far away
1: i can't wait till we do our solo episode in a couple years yeah a couple of years. <laughs> I explained. I explained my problems with that character in our Lost Droids episode. Yeah. but that is such a
0: bad idea for a character. Exactly, and that's what I mean. Is like if your character's purpose is
1: commentary, don't make the character. Make the character if you want, just please make it consistent within the universe. Because the problem yeah, there yeah, is that way to look at it. the whole time she wants droid liberation, and then she causes droid liberation on accident.
0: That'd be like if Abraham Lincoln was like, "Oh crap, I accidentally
1: what? hit the emancipation button." <laughs> yeah. Don't go drown my sorrows at a night of the theater. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no and it's just so exhausting because it's like i want to hear alternate opinions because i'm like totally bought into the show and so i want to i want to hear some good criticism of it but the only criticism that's gained signal boosted is i wanted obi-wan to always be perfect kind of criticism instead of like thoughtful meaningful criticism i'll go ahead and say this if you think obi-wan's always been perfect you haven't been watching star wars
0: there's a great moment that you probably haven't seen that's from the last four episodes of clone wars so the last four episodes of clone wars take place during Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, I've seen like some of it. There are things that directly tie in, and at one point, he is talking to Ahsoka, and he says to her, like, you know, we are looking to get Darth Sidious. We think he's been manipulating the war the whole time. We don't know how. And he says to Ahsoka, can you talk to Anakin? And she never gets to, because of what happens in the show, but he says, like, the council isn't always right, because she automatically accuses him of being like, you guys made him spy on Palpatine. You know, why would that be a good idea to to put him in this position? Obi-Wan says, he's like, the council isn't always right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm asking you for help. As if saying like, I know that it's stupid, but I couldn't go against the council. But it's like, Obi-Wan's always kind of been caught between duty and caught between what he believes. Yeah. I mean, Satine, the guy was okay with Anakin having a relationship. Just he didn't want the council to know. It's just funny that it's like people think of Obi-Wan as one thing, like he's this perfect wise old man. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, he, he had to do his fair share of scummy stuff straight up had to hide as a bounty hunter he like went undercover as a bounty hunter like a few
1: different times i remember one of those episodes they're fun i like those i deleted tiktok because of obi-wan for until the show was over right and it just it reminded me of last jedi and how it's like the only way i can have good conversations with star wars fans now is if i know them yeah right
0: like if if i have a personal connection to them and they understand like how i am as a critic and like what i value yeah i think with obi-wan like the thing is is that tone wise it is the halfway point between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Uh, I like that a lot because it it puts Obi-Wan also between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I like that there are little moments of him getting his strength back you know. We'll talk about the last episode I'm sure in a minute but it's like the whole bit of him saying I will do what I must again and moving his hand into like that kind of like his hand forward and his lightsaber like pointing at them. The Matrix pose. Yeah the Matrix pose yes. Very much the Matrix pose. (laughs) Him doing that it's like that's a position he was comfortable with at a time but you could tell he's like I've done this in a while
1: but I've got a feeling it'll work. (laughs) Oh man. And that just ties into the scene in Rebels where he fights Darth small for the last time because yeah. he begins with that move and then he goes into the new hope move. Yeah. I love how Star Wars can talk to itself like that. And that's kind of
0: one thing with Obi-Wan, you, you that's a very good way to put it by the way. Is Star Wars talking to itself. Mm. With Obi-Wan, the thing is they unsoloed it. And let me explain what I mean by that. Solo had to come up with an explanation for literally everything that Han saw, did, breathed, yeah, or did in that cantina. The dust on his
1: shoes. Literally.
0: Like... It's literally I mean, him talking to Chewbacca. Your name's Chewbacca? That's too long of a name. I need a nickname. I don't need a reason why you call him Chewie. Like, no last name. Hmm. Hmm. Solo. Yeah. It'd be like someone coming out and being like, my name's Ben. Ben who? I don't know. Well, you're wearing a jacket. Pen Jacket. Like, I don't want Jacket as my last name for multiple reasons.
1: Listen, I get it. I'm a DM. Improving names on the fly is hard. That's why you have a fantasy name generator right. beside you. Yeah. On the go. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, with Solo, they did that. They had to explain the blaster. They had to explain pretty much everything. With Obi-Wan, they did a very good thing. We kind of mentioned it in our episode where we talked about episodes one and two. The ship and Luke, mm-hmm. he gives it to him at the end because the relationship is different now. Yeah. And he even says it. He's like... This is the kind of life that Luke needs. The future will sort itself out. Mm-hmm. Hands him the toys, I have to say, You are a child and nothing more at this moment. And that's what that represents. It makes something bigger. Yes, he says hello
1: there a bunch.
0: Guys, it's what he says. It's like it's how also I, meme to death and I don't
1: care. Like, I tell everyone howdy. Like, yeah, also, right? it's funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, like whenever someone's birthday is close, I just go, Merry Birthmas. And it's yeah. like, I'm the only person who says that. Like, it's my thing. And I, I just look at Obi-Wan in that way where it's like, we get an understanding why Owen is the way he is in that movie. Mm-hmm. We get an understanding as to why Luke is the way he is. Why Leia and Obi-Wan have a connection in A New Hope. Little things, you know. She calls him an old man throughout the series. So now it doesn't feel on the nose when he says to her like you know if you need help from an old
1: man you mm-hmm. know like it's not them going like the next time you see me well and there's that part in a new hope where luke is getting her out of the cell and he's like we're here with obi-wan she's not taking luke seriously but she takes obi-wan seriously and you don't need this show to explain that but it does make that seem better
0: yeah i mean i've, I've said it in the past episodes you picture it like this she's in this dire situation and he goes like Hey, who's that one guy my dad knew that va- that he vaguely mentioned mm-hmm. a few times, and he said kind of knew my dad, but wouldn't tell me much else. Why would she cry out to him for help of all people? It's like, of course, like they had to have known each other, and their relationship is so precious. And in the yeah, people say it's archetypical. Fine, I don't care because Obi Wan is doing something with her. That he hasn't done with anyone. And that's be open. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that last episode, but I'll say it again. When she's like giving out her little droid to like kids and stuff and saying like, they're scared. This gives them comfort. And he says like, well, maybe I could take her. As if going, I'm scared too. Yeah. And for him to admit that to the person he is trying to protect actually says a tremendous amount about his growth as a character this is kind of why i don't get why people are like oh, the show's not even about obi-wan i'm like he's
1: literally the main driving force of everything going on Yep, yeah. and you know what i would know all the good criticisms if part of it also is just that i'm tired of people acknowledging the bad takes not the racism because like you have to acknowledge that and try to weed it out of the fandom mm-hmm. you won't be able to because it's the world's largest fandom to. in
0: the same way when but, when captain america changes characters they'll be like
1: oh of course yeah it had to
0: be sam wilson and you're like yes because it makes more sense for him to give it to a good friend than someone who was recently a terrorist brainwashed by the russians yeah like
1: <laughs> it's just one of those things where like stuff like that and then the complaining about it's like Oh, obi-wan got out of this pool of water but he was trying the next shot and that means this is the worst directed thing and deborah chow instead of like focusing on that can we just like up boost good criticism
0: yeah in the original star wars there's a stormtrooper that box his head on a door two out of ten it's yeah. like what if
1: that really is the thing
0: like look it's the same criticism you can draw to something like sam raimi's spider-man mm-hmm. they're cheesy does it make any sense as to why when spider-man 2 when doc ock is crawling up the wall of the building with aunt may a woman just looks around and starts screaming and looks directly at the camera and is like i <gasps> no it doesn't make any sense but this man directed evil dead of course he's gonna put in cheesy things like that it doesn't break the character of a movie i would actually argue that something more intrusive to my enjoyment in that way is something that like uh like what modern marvel does there could be an emotional scene where someone's literally talking about a family member dying or something like that and then someone has to come in and be like quip 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 check it out i have jokes remember family fun by the action figures guardians of the galaxy coming to disney world this summer things like that
1: make me feel much more intruded upon there's this great book called better living through criticism by the film critic a.o scott i have actually wanted to read that i did my second read through Mm. recently great book and a great tool to use if you're interested in criticism but um he has a thing where he's like This is like the gist of it. It's not a direct Mm. quote. No one is going to be as wrong more often than a critic, and no one needs to be as wrong as a critic. Like Mm. this idea of the critic's job to get to truth is like full of their bad takes, but they need those bad takes and they need to refine them to get to a better understanding of art. And I really like that idea. I feel like in. 10 years we'll have so much better idea of how good or bad obi-wan is because we will be away from like the immediate reactions Mm -hmm. and we'll have like gone through that course of bad takes to get to like a better idea a better consensus
0: i also feel that point that you made especially i think is honestly pretty true to star wars in general because star wars is all about like seeing the big picture eventually there is something kind of magical in my most recent you know chronological rewatch that i was talking about I got to see Anakin from a little boy grow up to have this giant character change, and you kind of understood why, more or less, whereas when you see it and you think of that little boy as Darth Vader, you're like, he's not going to be Darth Vader, what? What? It's like, okay, yeah, if I saw Palpatine as a baby, too, I probably would be like, he's not going to be the Emperor, like, You know, it's just, you either are extremely on the nose with it, or you have it be that this character isn't the character you know right now Mm -hmm. but
1: later and it's more interesting to see that character yes and it's much more
0: interesting to see Obi-Wan in this show be like I am almost cut off from the force I have not used it
1: it's the emotional equivalent of what makes characters like John McClane or John Wick or Indiana Jones such good action heroes Mm -hmm. they get beat up yes like like Indiana Jones quality as a character he's a terrible archaeologist but he always gets up from a punch oh yeah we're seeing the exact same thing with obi-wan but instead of like him getting beat up in a fight which does happen in the show yes. it's him getting up from like an emotional beatdown. you're talking about
0: criticism my big thing with criticism is the rampant speculation on the internet <sighs> straight up i saw the worst article it was like will the obi-wan show kill young luke <laughs> And it was honestly, like a though, full article with paragraphs and formatting about like, here's the possibility. One, the entirety of Star Wars after that point was a dream. Two, maybe <laughs> it's a young Luke that turns into an android or some some bullcrap like that. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? In the same way that when people start coming up and they're like, why did Obi-Wan let Anakin live after all of that? Um. Did you watch the show? Yeah. Also, the movies have to happen. So like, he's like, fine, you're not my friend anymore. Bye, Darth. And by the way, I thought of you
1: immediately. I lifted up my hands and I was like, they did the thing Caleb wanted. I I cheered when it happened. I know you did. (laughs) I really hope that when people listen back to this, that they don't just hear two people who like, I like a thing, so I'm mad that people didn't like it. I just want to have a better understanding of why people don't like it. I don't think anyone has bad tastes, but I do think people have bad takes. You know what? That is a much better uh, reality than
0: mine, where I'm like, I I do think people have bad taste. I I think there are some people who just aren't born to engage with something on an analytical level because they're engaging with other things in their life oh yeah yeah like like me i don't brain... have much
1: going for me so star wars <laughs> or just but... like left brain right brain type things like people's minds are wired different yeah definitely
0: i'm of the mindset that it's like when it comes to this show people just jumped the gun in terms of criticizing it outright yeah. great example episode two the inquisitor gets stabbed and everyone's like wait a minute he's alive and rebel why would star wars do this they're they're breaking canon and i'm like we are in episode two of a six-part show what did i say to you i was like oh yeah i looked it up his species has two, two stomachs. stomachs and uh, yeah. like he'll probably end up coming back but what i also find amazing is that simultaneously i feel like some people just don't understand symbolism a great example is when Vader stabs Reba. I, I said Reba. <laughs>
1: when, by, Howdy, when Vader, y'all. <laughs> when
0: Vader stabs Reba McIntyre in the throat. Well, this episode of Reba. <laughs> um, the point being is, like, when he stabs Reba and she keeps flashing back to Anakin and, like, Vader, people are like, wait a minute, Anakin stab her as a kid? No. It's just that's how she still sees him yeah. as this boogeyman, this guy who killed all of her friends. Literally, if Star Wars were to pull off not one, not two, but three, but four stomach stabbings in a row Qui-Gon and then Riva twice and the Grand Inquisitor that would be stupid but the fact is, is that there's canon reasons as to why the Grand Inquisitor was alive and Reva yeah it was symbolism I also think people need to remember look what happened to Anakin <laughs> he lived not even that two words Darth Maul yeah <laughs> like people were like oh he lived this man got cut in half and had to like make a robot spider body Sometimes it feels like people just genuinely don't want to like something. And look, I'm sad that people live like that because, like, I want to like everything. That's why Book of Boba Fett was so hard for me. Yeah. First two episodes, I was like, let's go. And then third episode comes around and I'm like, I'm not sure about the quality of this show going on out. And then the next two episodes happen and it wasn't even Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. And then the last episode happened and I was like, oh,
1: Boba, Uh, it's done. I wonder how much of it is like media influencers and stuff and feeling like they have to have a take. And then because of that, because they've made their hobby their job, then their fans see that and they start emulating it. Like I had a friend in college and he was a good guy, but... There was a time he was watching an Adam Sandler movie, and there were two me and another guy in the room with him. Which one? I don't even remember. Okay. I was just kind of in there chilling, but he was like doing the cinema synth thing, where he kept saying things and then saying out loud "ding," and I'm like, "Oh no!" And so I started playing a game and validate all his criticisms. <laughs> But I'm like Another reason why I don't think we should always engage with the bad faith criticism is because it's like, that just draws more attention to bad criticism, mm-hmm. and I don't want people to emulate bad criticism. And,
0: and I think that that ultimately turns into a conversation of when people are used to a... A brand identity or an IP being a very particular way and then something kind of comes around to change their perspective of it. If you're not willing to see what they do, I feel like you're inherently coming into it from a place of resistance. Yeah. Great example, you know, like uh, when I saw the Batman with my dad, my dad liked the Batman. I loved it because I was like, oh my God, they finally got the character right. They finally got Batman right. My dad kind of said something like, he says, like, isn't it a little bit convenient that when he falls into the water, and the, kid, the mayor's kid is there. Isn't it a little bit convenient? I was like, isn't it a little bit convenient that a billionaire just so happened to wander upon yeah. a snowy mountain with Liam Neeson and be able to be trained by using a very specific flower by a group of ninjas that would give him every single thing he would ever need to be a crime-fighting vigilante? Yeah, and that he's a billionaire who has all the time to do this stuff too. Yeah, yeah, isn't that a little bit convenient? Mm-hmm. Like Criticism like that to me is just like, there's emotional
1: weight to certain actions that outweighs illogic. I thought that when I saw Wonder Woman 84, because Wonder Woman 84, I love that movie. Me too. But It's I not be perfect. Honest. No, it's very not perfect, and I totally- There's a lot of problems with it. <laughs> I totally understand why someone who, like, they want to have a more logical experience going into it would not like it. But, like, I am so into the symbolism and the idea of, like, mythic heroic action. Mm. I just love that the emphasis in every single action scene except for the first and last one, are about saving people. And like the first yes. one is a game she's playing with the kid and the f- final one is a finale fight. I guess you have to have one by contract, by Right, law. by
0: contract, <laughs> big CGI uh, cheetah woman has to fight big CGI eagle woman.
1: Yeah, yeah. I understand for some people that's just not going to be their priority. But for me, it was really emotionally it satisfied
0: me in a lot of ways then i can understand that too because it's like i feel like ultimately all of this ends up being a matter of expectation and being willing to have your expectations either met or challenged i will say yeah that's one thing i will always praise you for i will always like thank you for this is that i hated last jedi for a long time and granted i have not re-watched it in our chronological rewatch because i'm still debating on whether or not to bring myself to watch the sequels because i'm remember, just like
1: you're gonna have to watch them in two years for the podcast I, yeah that's anyway, so.
0: fair i might as well pregame. <laughs> the point being is like with that movie my perception has come around to yeah. the point where i'm like it doesn't succeed at every single thing it sets out to do but everything it sets out to do i am more interested in that than i am what if they had another death star yeah, yeah. like you know, what if Palpatine came back? It's like, um, I'd much rather ask the question that they did ask themselves at the very beginning, who is Luke Skywalker? Yeah. And I liked that a lot. Because it's a matter of taking it to mythology. You're also the mythology of the character, but you're also taking it into a real life place where it's like some kids won't know Star Wars. Yeah. So who is Luke Skywalker in that way? But a tangent about the Last Jedi. Point is that perceptions change and perceptions can be challenged. And I think that if you're unwilling to go into Obi Wan with an open mind and go, maybe this will change my mind on some things. Because I mean, I uh, you know, I mean, I've gone on record of saying like I don't want. Him and Anakin to meet again because like it it removes that tension. But then you think about that scene enough, and he says, "What I left you," and you're like, "Wait a minute, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's not how that went down." Granted, that's not exactly how that went down in this. But it's like what I love is that Obi Wan at the end of the show is the one that lets go, yeah, and Anakin is the one at the very end going like, "I will find you and I will hunt you down," and even to the point where the Emperor is like, "Dude, chill," kind of I guess wrapping up the Obi Wan talk. One thing I did want to ask you: Do you want to see a season two? No. Do you want to see anything relating to this? Oh, yeah! No, I have an idea. I, but I
1: know we talked about it. People have talked about Darth Vader show, yeah. which it wouldn't be. My go-to, but I'm like I wouldn't be opposed to it, especially mm-hmm. if Deborah Chow comes back. No, I want to see um, Roken and Haja, uh, Kamel Nanjiani, and, mm. and uh, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah, and yeah. I'll I admit a lot of that's because I like those two actors, and I feel like they didn't get a ton to do. Kamel definitely at the beginning, but as the show went and on, O'Shea
0: in the middle. Yeah,
1: which is fine. It's not their show, right? But I would like to see more of that, and like it's inevitable we're gonna get more Riva. I think the question Possibly. just comes down to does Moses Ingram want to deal with that again? So will we get in? In live action or will we get it in comics or animated yeah. or anything like
0: that i think that that's actually kind of one of the cool things about where they left her character is obi-wan says you're free now you've got a stab wound to the chest however you're free now i could actually see them doing a vader show as the flip side of the coin almost mm-hmm. you know you had your obi-wan show six episodes it got obi-wan to a place where you understandably know how he got to be the way he is in a new hope with A Vader show, since the very end of it, was the Emperor kind of saying, like, you know, your feelings are really clouding your judgment. And Vader almost, like, shutting off in a way, which I don't know if that's any force manipulation on Palpatine's part. I would like to just read it as he's emotionally abusing him. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent that. but My my thought is that in a Vader show, they absolutely could do something like that. Talk about how he is nothing but a puppet in a way. It kind of relates back to what recently has been in Star Wars is that there is a part, the last scene of Clone Wars is Darth Vader coming upon the crashed wreckage of Ahsoka and Rex's ship to see her lightsaber among the clone troopers that bared her insignia and looking up and realizing, in a way, Palpatine has betrayed me and yeah. I lost everything
1: and i think examining that hollow shell that is vader would be a very good idea there's definitely good stuff you can do with it and i i'm curious where they choose to go mm-hmm. because i think what disney has done with this is i don't think they're responding to the backlash as severely as they did to like solo or last jedi or anything last jedi felt
0: like it was like a huge course correction after that they were like no it's gotta be fun and because because they got scared in that way the next two movies ended up just being like not great yeah So regardless of what you feel about them, not great. Or or please explain to us why they are great. I'm willing to hear that out. Look, if if your favorite Star Wars movie is Rise of Skywalker or
1: Solo, seriously, write an essay like send it to us i don't even care like i would be very interested yeah Yeah. well and that's why i'm excited for our solo episode because alex does like that movie and i feel like we're gonna
0: mention the aboleth
1: (laughs) i feel like we're on a spectrum because like i don't think it's a good movie but i have fun with it so it'll be interesting to get get into that so i mean overall we both really like the show oh yeah and we'll talk about it with alex more definitely definitely but uh to
0: transition into a you know a topic you kind of you wanted to bring up deborah chow has been a great fuel to the fire of star wars right now and in talking about creators one extended media that star wars has always kind of excelled in is comic books yeah and so like what creators would we want to see kind of take the reins of certain star wars stories i really like that idea like so do you have any off the bat that you're like yeah that one
1: yeah i have one or two um and just side note i haven't read every star wars comic so maybe some of these people have done them i've got a lot in in uh, several carts yeah right now on several websites um so if anyone wants to like after they hear this and they're like "Oh no, actually jonathan hickman did write star wars i think he did actually two voices i would like to point out very quickly karen gillen is it kieran gillen i think it's kieran kieran
0: okay sorry i like kieran gillen a lot they wrote vader for a long time yeah i read some of it. it's really good and uh actually i found this out i was looking for darth maul comics and tom
1: taylor actually wrote uh, a darth maul book interesting i was wondering if he was gonna come up yeah because
0: i was thinking i was like tom taylor but i was like he did do a darth maul one
1: you know i always think of him so much as a dc guy but he did he did do a little bit of work for marvel in the past and i think it might have been the dark horse
0: days i'm not sure but it it was a little while back but yeah definitely but anyway
1: but my first one is a uh, Spurrier. I don't know them. Actually. Okay, so Sisbarryer Sp- wrote has written a lot of stuff for both DC and Marvel. Wrote a really good run of Hellblazer that tied into the Dreaming. Oh, um, the Sandman. Line. Yeah, oh, Sandman really? the Dreaming. Now the the Hellblazer line has nothing to do with Sandman. It's just under that title. It was right. kind when the Sandman they were, universe, like books yeah, of magic and Lucifer and stuff like that. Kind when they were transitioning to Black Label. Yeah, yeah. He also basically resurrected the character of Legion and made him good In because. X-Men? Yeah, because oh, wow. like original Legion is just this very like confusing, like that's not actually what multiple personality disorder is like. Right. And then, you know, Cy kind of took him and had that solo series that eventually the show was based off of. And now he is writing Legions of X based off of his miniseries Way of X, which is basically Nightcrawler and Legion trying to solve the philosophical issues of Krakoa. And it's great. I want to read that. Those are literally like my two favorite X-Men. So, like, I would be down with that. It's so good. And what I love about the plot, one of the plots, because there are a couple ongoing plots in Legion of X right now, is that a god from another culture of mutants, there's this other culture of mutants called the Iraqi, Mm. has escaped to Krakoa because the Iraqi force every god who wants them to worship them to fight in trial by combat to prove that they're worthy. So this god has come down to Krakela. So it's become a thing where Nightcrawler has to team up with one of the Iraqi to hunt down this god. And of course, Nightcrawler, he's the religion boy. Right, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So like, He's the Catholic Guild X-Men. There's so much interesting philosophical stuff going on and I feel like Saisburyer could really dig into like what the force is in this mm. in in a similar way. You know, and and I think too coming at it from a from a point
0: of view if you were to take like especially what you're saying like which is actually something I've always said about, you know, they always talk about not to get on a Marvel tangent, but they always talk about like doing a Midnight Suns movie. Mm-hmm. And they're always like, "Oh, who would you have on the team?" and I'm always like, I feel like Punisher and Daredevil should be on this team. Why would Punisher be on it? I'm like, because he's the stone cold non-believer out of everyone. And then you have Daredevil, who's a Catholic. And then you have Moon Knight, who is a lot of different people. um, (laughs) And like, who is literally the puppet of a god. You know, things like that. Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider. You have all these different interpretations of faith. So I actually think coming at the force from a point of view of like, maybe it's from someone who doesn't understand any of it. Yeah. You know, and is trying to find all of it. That would be interesting to me.
1: Honestly, you know what? If he did something with Reva... Cause what's Ooh. interesting about Reva right now is that she as Padawan was a Jedi and then she became an Inquisitor, which is Dark Side, not Sith, but Dark Side. I want her to find an in between place. I want her to be like the first like canonical gray, gray Jedi, Jedi. Or, uh, there have been Well, other...
0: not not canonical, but maybe finding a way to become a gray Jedi on her own. I
1: want her. Doing that. I want her to have a white lightsaber because she has no allegiance either way. She's just trying to follow the force and the problems that ensue from that. And I feel like Sysperrier could explore that really interestingly.
0: I definitely think too, if you want to take a character that's already been established as a great Jedi, I think Ahsoka would actually be a very yeah, interesting... Yeah. I know you haven't watched the entirety of Rebels, but like towards... And don't get me wrong,
1: Rebels is not a great show. We'll talk about when I We'll talk about it whenever because we... Because I'm starting to enjoy it. Uh, it go... took it took a minute. Oh
0: yeah, no, I know. It's like you get into like season two and you're like, alright, time to go. Like, But uh, it's a matter of like, you know, her at the end of that, she's very druidic. She's mm-hmm. very like, you know, I will do whatever I have to do to make things right but I'm also kind of a Jedi, but I also believe in the force, you know? It's loose. It's not. Yeah. It's literally the exact opposite of an organized approach to it.
1: It's like me with Christianity. Yeah. Um. It's like me with religion in general. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Man, we really should do that religion episode soon. We really
0: should, honestly. I've been thinking about it a lot so my immediate choice grant morrison so i mean
1: yeah they are the best writer in comics maybe like
0: uh, you know it's hard to say it's it's debatable but it's one of those if you said that statement to me i'd be like i've read doom patrol i agree with that for those of you who don't know they are grant morrison is a um is a comic writer who really delves into the more metaphysical weirder aspects animal man is a great example animal man is you know this was just like a a kooky like golden age character who was like i talk to animals and have all of their powers and like instead grant morrison made it to where they had to be th- this man had to be a vegan uh, because he had such a connection with animals yeah you know it becomes uh him finding out he's a comic book creation and talking to grant morrison at the in end the comic and so to break down star wars in that way too i think would be interesting i actually think you could do two things you could do something very similar to what they're doing with the uh, green lantern in their comic is that um it's about how jordan being a Space cop, literally just being a space cop. That's a perfectly acceptable point of view to have. From that and be like, what are all of the the weird, quirky things that a space cop that is going across different sectors of space would actually get into? And by that I mean, you know, you could take a well-known character and kind of ground them in that way. Yeah, I think I think Graham Morrison's great at that. Simultaneously, just give them any random hole in the wall character and just have them go on like the trippiest, weirdest. I-, I became the sun at the end of my my journey, kind of thing. Hell, I, I actually think Graham Morrison doing like a weird Max Rebo type character would actually be kind of cool. Just please
1: don't tie them down with cannon that's what i mean is like is this like has to be a vision event, thing
0: it would be like this is stupid but if you gave them like hey Grant Morrison is writing a uh, Babu Frick the comic, and it's about all of the weird uh, druidic adventures of Babu Frick, everyone's favorite character from Rise yeah. of Skywalker. <laughs> I would buy it because Grant Morrison is one of those writers who actually could do that in a meaningful way. Yeah, but I'm assuming you had another choice.
1: Yeah, I have an artist as well. Oh, okay. um, Fiona Staples who draws Saga. That's a great choice. And I'm not just doing this as because Saga is a space opera and Star Wars is a space opera. I'm doing that because honestly, Fiona Staples is one of the best artists working in the game.
0: They do a really good job of being able to ground the more um, domestic Mm -hmm. scenes, but then also when it comes to, like, the big bloody space battles where, like, it's kind of not... Art wise, but tone wise is very similar to something like Invincible where like Invincible is very like, you know, the home stuff is the home stuff and the school stuff is the school stuff. And there's nothing different from this. And then all of a sudden a monster comes in and then it's the bloodiest thing you've ever seen because someone has to get the crap beaten out of them. And like, I think she's she's great in that way. Um. So I agree with that. I mean, you're not saying like, Brian K. Vaughn should do it too and just make Saga that's Star Wars, even
1: though Brian K. Vaughn would be a
0: great writer to have. Yeah,
1: like she is the one out of that duo I'd want to see mm-hmm. in Star Wars. But yeah, like I also wouldn't turn down Vaughn if he wanted to do yeah, something. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, but I definitely don't want it to just to be like, oh, Saga has spaceships. No, it's it's because honestly, I cannot think of a better artist than fiona staples working today i think too she has this kind of way whenever she draws that everything
0: feels like it belongs together Mm -hmm. and in that same way i think that it's not so much brand integrity as is as it is a singular vision yeah um it's kind of like something we we talk about a little bit with clone wars i remember you said you said about the clone wars series it was more in line with that brand integrity i would argue that it's just a Full story that's more one singular art yeah, style yeah, and yeah. vision. Um I do understand where you're coming from with that though. But yeah, I, I definitely think that's a great
1: that's a great choice. If you do just want a, a more house style artist, I have to bring him up contractually because I'm talking about comics on a podcast. The Bagman Mark Bagley. <laughs> um I'm sure he's, I'm sure he has done Star Wars Mark at this point. Mark, the Bagman. Bagley. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Mark Bagley is a mainly Spider-Man artist. Yeah, mostly um, Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Yeah, and he pops up a lot on my comic podcast, All New 52. i so, an episode. I talk about Mr. Miracle. So yeah, I have to talk about Mark Bagley if I'm on a podcast about comics.
0: Honestly, if he did art on something like, I know I'm a Darth Maul shill, but it's like, I'm just thinking of like the fluidity of something yeah. like Spider-Man, like, especially like Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, he's very round he's much more angular he's got like these bony little like knobby fingers that kind of like move around but it all seems like a very exaggerated almost like a functional caricature of what you think of as spider-man yeah and i feel like to take that and um almost fuel that into a character that has so much cool motion in them like darth maul that like imagine him just like tearing through like droids and stuff but he looks the way like ultimate spider-man does that to me is awesome so one of my favorite like i mean you you know me. I'm not like a huge Marvel guy. Yeah. I, I am mostly DC. I'm I'm mostly just like whatever character is, I like. Yeah. You know, I have a prescribed like list of five characters from Marvel that I'm like, these are the ones I really love. Everyone else, fair game. I don't even know. Movies are great. I don't I don't know what else to tell you. But one of the ones I read recently that I really love, uh, Silver Surfer Black. Have you ever read that one? No, I haven't. So it's Johnny Cates. And Donny Cates, for those of you who don't know, he's a pretty mainstream artist. He's done a lot of like... um or mainstream writer I should say he uh, has done Venom recently he did the whole King and Black thing yeah. he, did, um, he did Hulk he did a few other things he did uh, Thor he did I was wondering if he did Thor yeah he did Thor and he did um. he did the Guardians of the Galaxy where Beta Ray Bill was on the team okay and like a lot like the weirder stuff and he also did like Cosmic Ghost Rider and like weirder stuff like that but the artist that he works with on Silver Surfer Black is named Trad Moore and this is some of the trippiest weirdest 1973 roll one up hang out with with your bodies, and there's a helicopter in the background, and you just say, Sag yeah like But the point being is like this art is so explosive and weird. I actually think he would be tremendous on something that's maybe a little bit more mundane. I propose that Donnie Cates and uh and Trad Moore should do a Lando series. Okay. Because, okay. Because imagine like lando doing his lando things but it's like trippy and weird and though it though it's just him walking down a corridor it could be this big weird like angular version of him walking down it could be stuff like that you could exaggerate stuff you could go on a few spice trips if you want i don't know just w- something i feel like that would be good and donny cates i feel like could write it in a way that's more streamlined yeah he has that that appeal to me is that he can do the artistic stuff, but then he also can be like, you guys want an event? Here's an event.
1: Yeah. It is a talent, and it's something that you need to be able to do if you're going to write for Marvel, or for Star Wars right now, because you are writing for Marvel. Right. And I don't keep up religiously with Star Wars comics, just because there are too many X-Men books, so I couldn't afford to do it. Um <laughs> But it seems like the safest area Marvel is in right now is Star Wars. Yeah. Like Their writer-artist picks, they're not bad. They're just very safe.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Especially when you're trying to line up with the... It's kind of weird, like not to go on a Marvel tangent, but it is kind of weird the position they're in where it's like they're kind of constantly trying to have events that are true to the comics but also tie into the movies. Yeah. I mean, a little less recent, but like Civil War two. It came out around the time Civil War, the movie was coming out, and it's like it has kind of nothing to do with the, it. It's just a name.
1: The big event going right now, Judgment Day, involves the Eternals, which wouldn't happen if the movie hadn't come out. Right. Like, and and at, at the same time, I'm like...
0: Eternals. The, I know four people in my life who have seen that
1: movie. Yeah, yeah. Three of which are are on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> including me. So I'm glad that Kate Bishop got a mini series when the Hawkeye show came out. Yeah, and I'm glad that characters get that chance, smaller characters. But it is kind of weird. It's like it's the same thing that happened to the Inhumans got happened to the Eternals, where mm-hmm. like they matter so much for like two years and then they just disappear. Yeah. Uh, so question about one
0: writer in particular how do you think tom king would do on a on a star wars project and what star wars project do you think he could actually excel on because here's my thing of him and mitch Gerards, because they're constant collaborators yeah if they teamed up on something i would actually want it to be like a boba fett type character because um have you ever read uh sheriff of babylon
1: no, the only, the only Tom King I've read is a little bit of Batman and then Mr. Mr. Miracle. So that's why I'm having trouble with this.
0: Okay, Sheriff of Babylon is kind of a more domestic take on um what the United States was doing in the Middle East, that kind of in trying to make peace in somewhere where peace just isn't really a viable option. You can take a, a Boba Fett character and bring him down to the level of like him almost thinking about his life. You know, he doesn't necessarily talk a whole lot and you could even just have a freaking mini series of him just wandering through the desert and just thinking about his life and thinking about his dad and thinking about whatever and i feel like he would be good at that because i remember uh <laughs> there was this one guy who he worked at a comic book shop i yeah. used to go to a lot uh and we were talking about tom king and he was like i mean the problem with tom king is every single time he tries to write something he's trying to write the great american novel yeah and i'm like i understand your point however i still think it suits some things I feel like he could do something, but he would not you could not tie him to canon. Like it would have to be like this is a hole in the wall story that may or may not have happened and has no bearing on anything. I mean,
1: I think our favorite thing to do is to say things shouldn't be tied into canon. Because it honestly does usually mean the story will be a little bit better. Yeah. But I with people like King or Morrison, like that's that's really their playground. Because they understand the building blocks of comics, Mm. but they want to do things that you can't do and maintain
0: continuity yeah you have to challenge the medium and in order to challenge the medium you have to break down status quo that's why when grant morrison did things in continuity they changed the continuity final crisis is a great example where it's just like oh yeah superman has a wish machine yeah. that can make it so that there's a happy ending to all this and that dark side exists in all realities but doesn't at the same time you're like what like
1: <laughs> here's what morrison needs to do because morrison is really great at pulling from like old continuity and mm-hmm. stuff they need to tie in the old marvel comics that are no longer canon with like the green bunny
0: oh dude
1: yeah they have an action figure of that now they need to tie that version
0: of continuity into modern version better yet okay if we're talking about grant morrison in particular because I, i feel like that's a very exciting voice to have in the mix what if grant morrison did their version of the original concept star wars
1: Oh, because they did a comic like that a while yeah, back. They, they
0: did a few of those where it was like you know Star Wars, but it's like what George Lucas originally like the first draft. Yeah, and they yeah. Even sell like Funko pops of like the characters, like you know Luke was supposed to be Star Killer or whatever. I think if you gave Grant Morrison that playground to work in and being like this is your own thing go for it i think they could really excel in that. i th- i think that'd be very
1: exciting to be fair you could tell me that grant morrison was writing a book about droid number seven on the <laughs> sandcrawler and i'd get excited but i have two more quick ones yeah, yeah. teeny howard she wrote on the x-line is still writing on the x-line but she also did is doing catwoman right now oh um, I, and I
0: good things about the recent catwoman
1: right I, i'm enjoying it i've fallen behind because there are too many comics but right Throughout all her stuff, she was able to do just a variety of like genres and tones and stuff. Her Catwoman's completely different than her Excalibur, which was mm-hmm. completely different than the issue of Secret X-Men she did. So like, I feel like she could just slot in anywhere, and that'd be really exciting. And the other person, do you know about Monkey Prince? I've heard that name, but I can't think... It's, it's a Marvel character, right? It's a DC character. DC character, okay. Based off of the Monkey King from Journey to the West. For you Dragon Ball fans, the person Goku's based off of. <laughs> This is his descendant in the first four issues are he's in Gotham. The next ones are it's going to be Aquaman stuff. It's really weird, but it's like this character in the background of stuff. Yeah, it's his purpose as explained to him at the end of issue four is that like he is there to help the great heroes of our time. Anti booster gold. Yes, (laughs) it's such a fun comic, but. How it ties into mythology, both like directly into mythology, but also into mythological form. I love how Star Wars connects to mythology. So I'd love to see Gene Lewin Yang, which I'm probably mispronouncing that. I apologize, Mr. Yang. But I'd love to see him tackle a Star Wars project. That would be cool.
0: I will say one other writer that I think would be kind of cool, especially now. I think now in particular it would be cool to put her in would be Gail Simone. Because Gail Simone, to, to me, wrote some of the best New 52 stuff. Yeah. You know, she wrote the new 52 Batgirl. And to me, it's like, you want to talk about a story that is literally about someone coming out of something and getting better on the other side? Like, God, her Batgirl run is so good. She did Birds of Prey. She did. She's the reason why Birds of Prey is known the yeah. way it is. I think that especially now with Leia kind of being reintroduced to the mainstream and having 10 years of time between the end of Obi-Wan and the end of... And the beginning of A New Hope, I think Gail Simone would be good at doing a teenage kind of coming of age Leia thing where maybe she does, you know, is there with Bail Organa, whose name I will not mispronounce from this point on um, because that joke is very dead and not mine. Uh, (laughs) But the the point being is like it could be about, you know, her learning how to delegate her learning how to walk the line between I am a senator, but also I like having a holster on me. Yeah, I think she'd be a great choice for that, too, to be able to really give a mainstream content continuity version of leia in the comics that i feel like if she wrote it people would go if there is ever a leia movie about this it has to be based on this yeah you know kind of like how anything that the kenobi show was going to be was going to be directly in contrast to kenobi the book
1: yeah is there anyone else you have Uh, to be
0: honest i mean i could throw out a bunch of names but it's like i (laughs) would i would love to see like tom taylor come back to do something i think he'd be very good at organizing events to just kind of Depends on how much of a Star Wars fan he is. I'm assuming he he writes for DC Comics. He's got to be a Star Wars fan. There's a Venn diagram there. It's a circle. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, it's a circle. (laughs) But I mean, there's a bunch of names you could throw into the ring. Uh, A lot of names that do good uh, no matter what they're throwing at. Joshua Williamson's a great example. You know, I mean, Flash, Justice League. I think he's doing Batman now, right? Yeah, he's he's wrapping up. Batman and Siddarski's taking over. That's what I thought. Because
1: yeah. Williamson has too much on his plate right exactly. now. Exactly.
0: So and so it's like you could get someone like that to come in and do it. You could get, like I said before, a Donnie Cates or something like that. But I think as long as the voices coming at it have a clear guideline of what they are allowed and not allowed to do, they'll be able to do whatever they want. Yeah. You know, don't screw up continuity. Hey, you can't mention X character. Hey, this. Okay, what's your thing about? All right, cool. Do whatever you want.
1: Don't screw up continuity unless you are Tom King or Grant Morrison. Then right, yeah. permission.
0: <laughs> then, then you have my full permission to do whatever crazy stuff you want and have the
1: existential journey of Qui-Gon Jinn's Force Ghost. I don't know. The editor's just sitting there being like, listen, I don't want you to screw up continuity. But Steven and Caleb said it's okay. So, like, <laughs> I guess you can. Their podcast has 52... 52- 53 <laughs> listeners <laughs> well this has been fun I've missed Alex we've set up a effigy of him we haven't but yeah
0: it... I mostly got uh, the gonk uh, costume that he did which is just two storage containers duct taped together with some uh, sharpie on them We've am some... pretending it is how
1: we've lit some candles around it and we're gonna try to summon his spirit here after we're done I've already drawn the sigil yes so um, we'll let you know on the next episode how that went this is weird <laughs> this is a weird sign off I don't know how I feel about this Alex please come back <laughs> Tune in next month when we will talk about something else related to Star Wars. Hey, Stephen, where can the good people find you? Well, the good people can find me over on YouTube
0: at Stephen. I promise to have something up in the next few months. It's just like, look, I'm going to be real. Every single time I plan on writing something or doing something with YouTube, some great gigantic life change happens that i'm sure i'll address at some point in the show but i don't know point being is yes you can find me at steven on youtube i don't have much on there but some stuff is pretty fun uh that i have something you directed that i thought was really stupid Um, (laughs) it was it was very very stupid i plan on doing a part two at some point 15 years down the line for the og fans (laughs) (laughs) but uh you can find me on instagram at steven weeben that is s-t-e-e-b-e-n w-e-e-b-e-n and that's about it because
1: i really don't like social media caleb Well, first off, you can find Alex, our fallen comrade, our dear friend at ST3PHE underscore on Twitch. He's elsewhere, too. (laughs) I'm sure you can find his other socials from Twitch, but like genuinely love whenever I get tuned into his Twitch stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be on that at some point. I'm going to be on that at some point. We've been talking about doing Lego Star Wars for like forever. And I'm like, bro, I want it. Lego Star Wars is cursed though like every time he tries to do it it does like destroy his pc for whatever reason <laughs> it's very unfortunate can't
0: handle the power of the complete saga
1: anyway you can find me at caleb from the real world on instagram and youtube from there you can find my litany of other podcasts uh hot trash unlimited all new 52 and the snub club and you know i think the best thing is is that like this episode was a little bit
0: different but we'll be back to form next time when we talk about star wars and, and life, life.